Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? Interlude episode 41.7, ultimate episode 132. So this is going to sound strange, but it's been like four or five months since I recorded other than the last nine episodes. The last nine episodes I've recorded over the last few weeks. And so because of this big gap, I recently recorded a bunch of the stuff that I'd already taken notes for. So this is the first episode that I've recorded that's kind of fresh, meaning it's it's somewhat recent things, uh, recent thoughts, recent activities, and a little bit of catch-up, frankly. And so um, probably over the next handful of episodes, I'll do more uh, catch-up, a little bit more kind of bringing you up to speed about what's going on. Um, so having said all of that, let me just kind of dive into a, a couple of... Uh, things, uh, so I don't stretch this episode out horrifically long. Um, the first one is, uh, my family has now experienced what COVID is like. Um, it's, it's horrible. It's wretched. Um, there are a whole bunch of other adjectives that could be used to describe how horrible, wretched, terrible, horrible, and wretched, and did I say horrible and wretched? Um, it is. And, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of expletives that could be used to describe it as well. And all of them would likely be true. It's terrible. Um, thankfully, uh, we either have or are recovering from it and, uh, we're kind of getting to the other side of it again, but I have a great deal of respect, uh, for those that have suffered through it now. And I certainly understand why, uh, the, um, making sure the immunizations have, you know, been happened and, and we've had those. So hopefully our version of COVID, it wasn't as bad as it was for others, um, but also, I understand, you know, with the, the masks are so much more important and all that kind of jazz. So anybody out there who doesn't believe it exists, I can tell from personal experience as a witness, it totally does. And it is horrible. So um, now that I've shared that bit of horrificness, uh, we've seen our fair share of movies over the last handful of months. Um, not that we went to the theaters with COVID, but this is before and then after. Um, one of the movies I just wanted to highlight was we did see uh, the um, the new Spider-Man movie, and it really, truly felt like a really fantastic version of one of the Avengers movies, where it was just so fun to see them bridging that gap between the different Spider-Man, and it was funny, and it was entertaining, and it had a great plot, and character development, and humor, and it was just really, really good. So if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to do so. Having said that, this is one of those occasions where the movie by itself is good. It stands alone. But if you haven't seen all the other Spider-Man movies prior to seeing it, uh, it it wouldn't feel as uh, impactful. Um, and same is true with the rest of the MCU universe, um, because that also adds to it as there's other characters from the universe that are in this too. So it, it all kind of builds on to each other, uh, which makes for something pretty amazing, um, but it, albeit daunting, especially if you haven't been current on all the movies. And the only other thing I wanted to mention, and I'll, and I'll actually add more details to this uh, throughout the course of this podcast, uh, is... Um, my wife and I and my oldest son uh, went on a, a short vacation where we visited Washington, D.C., which for those of you who aren't aware is the capital of the United States of America. It's a pretty amazing th- uh, place to visit, uh, if for no other reason than just the sheer volume of historical stuff that is there. And like I said, I'll cover a little bit more of that uh, in, a, in a little bit. Um, so let's, let's transition from experiences and events to thoughts. Uh, one of the thoughts that I had was um, related to um, what is our best? What is the best that we can do? 
what does it mean to be the best? Uh, right now, the world is experiencing uh, Winter Olympics in China. And what what is happening there is, is people are winning gold medals. They're competing against each other. Uh, and in some cases, they're competing with each other. And uh, they're also setting world records and other various things. And, and it's all exciting and it's all very cool. Um, I've been around the Olympics before, and it certainly has an air of, of excitement and energy to it, and it gives people something to strive for and to target. Um, now, I've already mentioned in other podcasts about the idea of competing with versus against people and how that can create growth and, and, and or not, but there's, there's a little bit more of a philosophical depth to this idea of being the best. And I think I've, a little, I've touched on this a little bit before in the past, but something to think about. Is it possible to declare yourself the best at anything. And I would argue that it is not possible for a variety of reasons, uh, two of which are the most obvious, at least to me, is first and foremost, how are you comparing yourself to every other person that either currently exists or has existed, if that's the measurement stick you're using? And, and that is just a logistical impossibility, uh, certainly an improbability anyway for us mere mortals. The second one is because this world's population is in constant state of change, both in births and deaths, but beyond that, also in the form of growth and progression or regression, depending on the state. Uh, you know, you could have an amazing person who is a bodybuilder and then has a terrible accident and loses the use of some of their limbs, um, and vice versa, a person who has some kind of disability and, and learns to overcome it and do something astounding with themselves. And so to, to try to target this idea of being the best is really almost a foolhardy concept. Uh, it, it, it's it's narrow-minded and, and narrow-focused in a way that I don't think allows for us to understand that the true goal in this society really should be beyond lifting other people up. It should ultimately be bettering ourselves. I mean, if you go to the Olympics and you win a gold medal, then that's awesome. That means you did something great and that's amazing. But the end goal should be, I beat myself. I overcame myself. I overcame my obstacles to become the best version of myself. But stop there and think, did you become the best version of yourself? I would hope the answer is always no. No, I became a better version of myself. But once you say best, you've capped. You've said, that's it. I cannot progress any further, which is definitely Satan's tool because, because we're here to progress. And so the moment we decide, nope, that's it, I'm done, then um, it's, it's kind of fruitless to continue um, because the only other direction you can go is regression. And that's not something that at least I personally would be satisfied with. I would always want to be able to progress and move forward. So keep that in mind is, is never be satisfied with where you're at. Always choose to move forward, but with the cautious understanding that we need to be satisfied with the fact that we're moving in that direction. Um, as opposed to a destination in mind, we should just be enjoying the journey. Hence why I have the series of podcasts about joy in the journey is, is, is that's what we're after is being able to experience and embrace and enjoy the climb, the hikes, the walks, the runs, the train rides, however you want to define it, what mode of transportation works with this, uh, with this concept in the story. And the other thing I want to talk about a little bit is this idea of 
breaking to build. This is going to be kind of the theme that I'm going to continue on with this next phase of this podcast topic, dealing with um, dealing with you know learning about failure, learning how to fail, and, and the next step is understanding why. Um, using the term failure again is so important, and, and I'm going to slightly evolve the terminology here from failure to break. Um, and I'm going to talk to that through two scriptures, and these scriptures will help to um, kind of epitomize why breaking is so important, or at least pointing us in that direction. And I'm going to expound more on these uh, over the course of uh, the next handful of episodes. The first scripture is in the Book of Mormon, the Book of Third Nephi, chapter nine, verse twenty, and it says. And ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me, so this is God speaking, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire, with the Holy Ghost, and as the Lamanites, because of their faith in me at the time of their conversion, were baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost, and they knew it not. So I don't want to expound too much right now on this idea of what it means to have a broken heart, but I think it's important for us to think about, because more often than not, we're afraid to break. Oh no, if I fall, I might break a bone. Yeah, that's not exactly ideal, and it would be wise not to go out of your way to try to break a bone. And from personal experience, I've broken a few, and it's typically pretty unpleasant. But why would God ask us to come with him with a broken heart. All right, so then the other passage comes from uh, my favorite chapter in the Book of Mormon. I, I quote this chapter constantly, and uh, I'm going to do it again. So this is in the Book of Ether, chapter 12. And again, to reiterate, again, this is in the Book of Mormon. Um, there is uh, a prophet in this in this time period. These 15 or so chapters uh, encompass thousands of years for a group of people who lived in the ancient Americas, known as the Jaredites. And this is at the tail end of their society. In not too many years, they're going to wipe themselves out with war. And they're in constant conflict with each other right now. And, and a prophet named Ether comes to them and says, hey, guys, just, you know, stop. <laughs> you, you've got to start following the commandments again or you're going to be wiped out. And uh, it talks about how, you know, they don't believe him because they don't see. They don't, they, don't, um, they don't see the miracles. They don't see the angels and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this 2,000 years condensed down into 15 chapters was put into the Golden Plates, which ultimately became the Book of Mormon, by a prophet named Moroni, who was the last prophet in the Book of Mormon. And in his last days, before he buried the Golden Plates for good, or at least until Joseph Smith was directed to find them many hundreds of years later, um, he had to write thoughts that were the most important thoughts to him. He didn't have a lot of time. He probably didn't have a lot of, uh, of material at his disposal to be able to write these thoughts down, so they had to be critical to him. And I find it interesting that he felt this was so important to write, and, it's, and, and it ties back into the previous passage that I read. So this is what he says in Ether chapter 12. And I said unto him, this is referring to the Lord, Lord, the Gentiles will mock at these things because of our weakness in writing. For Lord, thou hast made us mighty in word by faith, but thou hast not made us mighty in writing. For thou hast made all this people that they could speak much because of the Holy Ghost, which thou hast given them. And thou hast made us that we could write but little. Because of the awkwardness of our hands, behold, thou hast not made us mighty in writing like unto the brother of Jared. For thou madest him that the things which he wrote were 
mighty even as thou art, unto the overpowering of man to read them. Thou hast also made our words powerful and great, even that we cannot write them. Wherefore, when we write, we behold our weakness and stumble because of the placing of our words. And I fear lest the Gentiles shall mock at our words. And when I said this, the Lord spake unto me, saying, Fools mock, but they shall mourn. And my grace is sufficient for the meek, that they shall take no advantage of your weakness. And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. And I give unto men weakness, that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me, and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. So there's two scriptures here that are definitely parallels when it comes to uh, a breaking to build, but different takes on that, and perhaps even with different focuses, but both of which are equally, if not in some extent, greater than each other in importance, if there is such a thing. Uh, one is this broken heart concept, and the other one is is realizing that I have a weakness, and I don't know what to do with it. I'm afraid of my own weakness. So break to build. Uh, ponder that and and think about these two passages uh, because they're going to definitely lend themselves to the topics we're going to be covering here soon. And they're definitely part of this how to deal with failure um, and, and understanding part of the purpose of why we're here in this for, in the first place and and continuing this progression accepting ourselves which is one of the hardest things we have to do is there's always something about ourselves we're unsatisfied with there's always something we want to change and to some extent we have to accept the fact that we're made that way and and we're made that way for a reason and if we can accept that if nothing else then we can realize that not only can we improve ourselves but in the vast scheme of eternity we have eternity to improve ourselves and and that should give us a certain sense of hope should being the operative word all right so let's move past that for a minute and go back to a topic i had talked about a little bit earlier and that is in reference to uh this this trip that i went on recently where we visited washington dc it was a fascinating trip in so many different ways and i'm not going to spend a ton of time on it here because i'm hoping to refer back to it in future uh podcasts but i do want to share three things that were very interesting or enlightening to me. Uh, the first one is, if you ever have an opportunity to go to Washington, D.C., and if you've ever watched any TV shows or movies that take place there, uh, I'll reference a couple. Um, one of them is one of my family's personal favorites, and it's the TV show Bones. Uh, and there's so many others that take place there as well. Um, if you watch the driving that takes place in those movies and TV shows, it's a lie. It's a bold-faced lie. Having been there, the drivers there, I think, are all hyped up on some kind of like anger pills. Not anger management, anger pills, because they're psychotic. Each and every one of them is totally lunatics. Um, we rode a taxi to and from the plane to our hotel, and our driver was so incredibly nice, but I had to close my eyes the, the entire way, or at least I should have, because it probably would have saved some degree of my, my sanity. We did like Uber drives uh, uh, or, or something to that effect uh, from different places around the city. Uh, it was it was insane uh, watching these people and, and the way they interacted and reacted to each other. Maybe to them it feels perfectly normal, but to us it was uh, it was almost entertaining because of its insanity. So that's just one thing to mention. Um, the next thing before I dive into it is is there is a ton of historical stuff there. So we did a bus tour there, and there's far more things 
that we were able to see than I have time to mention. So like I said, I'll, I'll dive into some of them later. Uh, some of the museums we did, the Smithsonian Museums, um, the Spy Museum, and all of those were incredible. Uh, but two of them that were the big standouts, uh, the first one was uh, the Washington Monument. Um, there's so incredibly much uh, of the history in there. And when you get to the elevator and you take it to the top and you look all around, you see the history that's actually literally embedded in there, the stones from different people in different states from around the, the nation and the world. Um, the stuff that you learn about Washington himself as it pertains to this giant monument, uh, it, was, it, was, it was truly awe-inspiring, uh, especially when you look at the way Washington, D.C. as a city is laid out and how the spire that is, is the Washington Monument uh, stands out and is kind of the center point um, between two of the other massive monuments, and one is the Capitol and the other one is the Lincoln Memorial. Now, the, the, the Lincoln Memorial is really the other one I wanted to mention. One of the things that makes it so amazing is the sacredness of it. Um, when you climb the many stairs to get up in there and you actually step inside of it, um, the, it's just so solemn and so calm and soothing and quiet and it's thought-provoking. And there's some really amazing quotes from the Gettysburg Address uh, to so many other things that I really haven't taken the time I want to to spend to study those things. But after having gone there and kind of feeling that, uh, that, that uh, impressive weight uh, that that you you get when you go there uh, whether it's it's the words that Lincoln spoke or, or the his intents or just this hope of we want this nation to become what he envisioned so long ago um, and part of the reason why I wanted to bring all of this up, is because this nation was built on the broken. We have all of these people from so many different nations fleeing in large extent uh, the, the, the situations in their life that were so hard or things that they weren't able to have. Religious freedom is probably one of the most important ones to me um, because you know God wouldn't have been able to restore the church if it weren't for the opportunity to have religious freedom, which is still denied in certain parts of the world. So um, that, just something to think about uh, and, and just kind of the amazingness of, of what we hope to become, whether it's this country or any other country, if we are satisfied with where we are today, uh, with the understanding that it's good enough, uh, then I want you to remember the passage in the scriptures that says, woe unto him that is at ease in Zion. The moment we're satisfied enough that we don't think we need to move any further is the moment we're going to begin to regress and it's going to collapse around us. We always have to strive to be better, trying to enjoy the journey along the way. Don't get me wrong, but we always have to improve and we always want to see that there is potential for growth and, and progression. So to wrap up this particular podcast, I want to end it with a little bit of levity. Uh, I, I read this quote uh, fairly recently, and I thought it was rather humorous. I'm not sure who came up with it, so I have nobody to reference. We'll just reference anonymous. But here's what it says. Being a parent is like jumping out of a plane with a bunch of people who don't know how to open their own chutes. So you fly around doing it for them, and then you hit the ground, but you don't die. You get your butt back up, and then you cook dinner. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a wonderful and spectacular week. Remember that you're worth it. Enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening.